down on the goal, straight down the middle, went to the outside right for Stone. Stone tapped it right back to White Cloud. The righty rips it home. Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael, nine seconds through the left circle. Number nine closing in. He scores! It's an overtime winner. Jack Eichel, two to one Golden Knights with six seconds to go. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Let's get at it. Grades coming out for the Vegas Golden Knights as they pass the quarter pole or hit the quarter pole last night. Back at it tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators. It's three and four nights at T-Mobile Arena. The Fortress getting set for the reveal of the reverse retro jerseys on the players on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. Last night was like a retro game, wasn't it? Lighten it up with six goals in the third period. Seven if you consider the one that was called back. There was a lot going on last night. I hope it's the same way on Saturday night when things get dark and the jerseys start to glow. I cannot wait. How many phones do you think as we bring in Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, will be up at the start of that game or the warm-up or whatever effects that are going to be revealed? Because it's going to be a brand-new opening from Friday night to Saturday because of the different sweaters they're going to wear and the uh, black light and the glow-in-the-dark uh, part of it. They're going to structure the opening that we're so used to being wild and crazy. It'll be brand-new, nothing we've seen before, but all focused on the glow-in-the-dark uh, part of it. Yeah, I I am really excited to see it. How many cameras, how many phones do I think will be up in the air kind of taking video, taking all of that in? Uh, probably 80% of the arena, if, if not more, because I, I think that you, you kind of want to relive that moment. And, you know, for me, it's going to be really fun to see what type of theatrics are, are involved and how you can really lean into the fact that the jersey – is glow in the dark and has multiple different effects with that glow. So I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for Saturday night. We had Tyler Ferraro on yesterday uh, from uh, the uh, entertainment uh, wing of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he does everything inside the, the T-Mobile arena. And uh, when he talked to us on nighttime at noon, he ran through a couple of different scenarios with us. Tomorrow, if if you want to go along with it, we can grab that interview and play it tomorrow night because it's a really cool conversation about uh, what they're thinking, what they put into it, where they are leaning towards on that type of uh, the warm-up and the entrance to the rink and uh, and how much is is really built around one of the most unique sweaters in National Hockey League history. I think it'd be really, yeah. really interesting to hear from him. And I don't know if he listens to the show. I hope he does. But and maybe you can pass it along. Mm-hmm. More Star Wars, not not just in the opening tomorrow, but in general, in arena stuff. More Star Wars. I know he's a big Star Wars guy. It's awesome. All the Star Wars stuff they have. More Star Wars. You can never go wrong with more Star Wars. Hey, what are you thinking? Give me give me an example here. Well, I'm not creative like him, but. I, I like can, I like the baby Yoda thing. Oh, the baby Yoda playing thing is, with the, yes, the button the like back button. and forth. Yeah. No, but chat. I like chat, to chewy. We're home. You've got to have. You've got to have an idea of like what Star Wars vignettes you'd like to see between action. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll think of some. I'll think of some. And and, and if Tyler's listening, more Star Wars. I'll, I'll pass Once again, them along. You talk before you truly think. 
That's what didn't I'm known we, for. Didn't we go over this Sunday <laughs> when we were hanging out watching the Grey Cup? Well, that's why uh, Hammer gave me a, a, a little punch. I know. Yeah. I know. And then oh, you and I carpooled back to my place, and I talked to you about that. Like, less talking before yeah. you think. I, I'll, I'll think of some vignettes, and I'll, I'll pass them along. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's, uh, let's get them that. And that'll be from you, and maybe you'll have an influence on what happens at the the fortress. We've got some report cards uh, to hand out because we've uh, done the first quarter of the National Hockey League season, the Vegas Golden Knights campaign, fifteen four and one to start. So let's let's crank it up, Ryan, and mm-hmm. let's start. Are you okay with the game plan of going line by line, and then the blue line goaltending? Defense and goaltending is one, and special teams as its own. Like that'll include power play and a penalty killing. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. All right, uh, first line, which has changed from the start of the season, but we are going off of what the most recent uh, consistent collaboration has been, combination has been in Chandler Stevenson, Jack Eichel, and Mark Stone. Where are you? Yeah, I mean it. It's it's an A plus for your top line uh, if you're looking at it objectively, right? Eichel, right now on pace for 41 goals, 98 points. You, you've got Mark Stone, um, who's really the last four games. The the offense is starting to find him. He's starting to find the back of the net with more regularity. Mark Stone right now on pace for 33 goals. You've got Chandler Stevenson, uh, just a, sh- a point shy of a point per game performer, and on pace for 25 goals. Any way you slice that, that is gigantic production from your top line and I I don't think that they're really at the stage where they've hit their limit hit their peak I think they can be even better which is pretty scary for the rest of the uh, of of the NHL we even talked about what Jack Eichel did last night he scored he scored two goals in one shift and didn't get credit for either one of them no no not at all uh, but you know, again, it was it was one of those moments where you you needed a player to kind of take over the game, and Jack Eichel did it, and he's been doing that uh, over the course of this entire season. He's got seven multi-point games so far for the Golden Knights, and that's through twenty. So uh, I see the I see no issues, no complaints, no marks against the top line right now for the Golden Knights. They are humming, they are going, and I'm all in on them. If I could add something for those three guys. Six game-winning goals between the three of them. That's incredible. Like, that's what you want from your top line. Oh, yeah. You, but, you want to be able to put games away. Yeah, I mean, those those guys have been phenomenal. Well, if, if the game's on the line, they should get more ice time. They should be able to be a, uh, able to execute in oh, yeah, crunch yeah. time, which is what they've done in this regard. Uh, his, his two goals last night, it was interesting in the sense of the first one was early in a shift. And coaches at times, after a goal, will change them up. Like, more often than not, it's because it's usually midway through a shift, so you don't want to extend that and have them out there for a buck 40 if, if, they, if they happen to get pinned in their own zone. So you'll, if it's in the middle of a shift, you'll change them up automatically. So the first one was early in a shift, uh, banking in off Mark Stone. He keeps him out there in Bruce Cassidy. And then during the course of a shift change, Carrier's out there uh, because of the in the midst of the shift, and Eichel hasn't had a chance to to swap out yet, and Carrier gets the goal. So I, I love watching those little games because not often you get a player scoring two goals in a shift, which is what he did. He just didn't get credit for them. 
Yeah, it, it was a really dominant moment uh, in the context of the game for Jack Eichel, and it it kind of, again, illuminates why you are Kelly McCrimmon and you go out and make that trade for a player like Jack. Within uh, a shift or two, he can impact the game in such a positive way that it, it changes the complexity of what's going on, and you saw that firsthand last night against the Vancouver Canucks. I was so excited at the start of this year with Riley Smith playing on the same line as Jack Eichel. I just thought there was magic uh, in just waiting for me uh, every shift uh, with that group and and Phil Kessel. It changed a few games into the season, and Bruce Cassidy did what everybody else has always done and put those three together in the Misfits and William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Riley Smith. And Riley is arguably doing better when it comes to production than I thought he was going to be with with Jack Eichel. Uh, what's your grade for the Misfits? So my grade for the Misfits is an A as well. Uh, not an A+, plus, but an A. I, I look at you know Riley Smith on pace right now for 41 goals, just like Jack Eichel. Uh, it'd be interesting. It'd be really cool to see that happen for Riley, but uh, more than, than the the total number that he's got right now on the season it's how it's been dispersed how it's been spread out he's got three shorthand goals three power play goals four even strength goals that is great production across the board for riley smith you've got jonathan marcheseau doing what jonathan marcheseau does on pace for 30 goals this year and william carlson it was a really good consistent start to the year will and back of the net it's cooled off a bit but i still believe he will hit 20 goals this season so i i look at that line and the misfits do what the misfits do they find a way to be impactful they find a way to score big goals and i don't see that stopping anytime soon can i ask a favor and go back to sure. the uh the ballot box of the first line and can we vote in the same tradition of our game ratings with the the pacer okay. and the wagon and the hummer and the trans am and the delorean Sure. All right. So the the Eichel line, DeLorean. Yeah, it's a DeLorean. All right. What about the Misfits? Uh, I'll, I'll go DeLorean. Two I, five I out of five. I don't think it's so. I don't think it's it's a, a a large enough drop off from where the top line is to go to a Trans Am. So I'll go DeLorean for sure. I love it. Do you concur with that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Third line. Right now is in a bit of flux because of uh, what's happening with players being in and out of the lineup, and uh, and Nick Waugh hasn't played the last couple of games. But we've we've combined it to be a Cotter, a Mario, a Howden, and Kessel. Where are we with the third line? Um, okay, so uh, not great. If if there's one spot where you know the the ratings are going to come down it's going to be with your third line right now you've got michael amadio sitting at just one goal paul cotter has two goals one was a game winner yeah so you'll you'll like that you'll take that brett howden just a goal and phil castle with three goals so in total 
through four players, you've got seven goals over 20 games. You you kind of pull that out to an 82-game sample size. You're looking at just about 29 goals out of your third line. And from a production standpoint, that's below where you'd like your third line to be. Now, we can look at other factors and say the fourth line for the Golden Knights is getting more minutes right now than the third line, and they're producing at a higher clip. But ideally... Um, I'm being greedy, and that's what that's what I'm I'm here to do. Uh, I want more out of that third line. I, I feel like there's a tweak, and I've talked about it. Nick Waugh there when he comes back from injury might be something that gets you more production, or at least balances it out a bit more on your bottom six. But you know, if we're looking at it objectively, the third line for the Golden Knights, as currently constructed, would likely be a station wagon to start the year. There have been some good moments. You've had some key spots where you know you, you've gotten points because of your third line. Uh, but on the whole, there's a lot to be improved on, and and that's an area where the Golden Knights are going to have to focus their attention over the next 20 games. So going wagon, not the traditional yeah. great wagon, uh, but the the big old station wagon. Would you change your rating for the Cotter, Amadio, Howden, Kessel line if they were called the fourth line? Um, maybe bumps up a, a bit, but not not exponentially. No, like would it would it bump I, I would, up from from a wagon go, to a hundred? It, it it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't go up to a, to a. Uh, three, no. Because because the goal production, wagon. the goal production would kind of mirror right now what your traditional fourth line would be. I mean, I I get it, but yeah, y- you you've still got Phil Kessel on that line. You've you've got Paul Cotter who's got some scoring touch. Like it it should be a a more production heavy line than what it is, um, and just kind of moving the goalposts to make it. Um, to make that rating a bit better because they're well, I'm moving the goalposts because of lines. ice time. Oh well, sure, but you—the only reason that they're getting that ice time is because they're not producing the way that a third line should, right? So, like to me, I just—I—I I, I don't know that I'm going to try to to bump the rating up because their their lack of production where it needs to be is putting them on par with other fourth lines. That's, like, it's great that your fourth line is producing like a third line, but if your fourth line wasn't producing like a third line, then you'd be looking at it saying, okay, you've got to get more out of your bottom six. And at some point, the law of averages are going to, to even out, and you're going to need more out of your third line. You just are. You flipped that uh, all over the place. It gave me concussion-like symptoms. My head's trying to catch up to that. Uh, what's your fourth line rating with William Carrier, Nick Waugh? I know he's been out the last couple of games, but has predominantly been with uh, Carrier and Keegan Colasar. Yeah, I I think they're, you know, absolutely a DeLorean. If there was a number to go above DeLorean, I'd absolutely go there. Turbo DeLorean? Um, like De- DeLorean, DeLorean squared or something like that. I don't know. I They've been so good, so, so good. You've got Carrier on pace for 25 goals, Nick Waugh on pace for 18, Keegan Colasar on pace for 13, and they're just producing. They they go out there, they play the right way, they understand the assignment, they do their job. They've got the most defensive zone starts on the team as a line collectively, which is somewhat surprising to me, but that shows the trust that Bruce Cassidy has uh, in those three players. Um, in good all good pivot, too, so like to, Nick Waugh to, to win yeah. this draw. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, you, you trust them to win the draws, you trust them to get the puck back, and then you trust them to go to work down low and, and put a lot of pressure on the opposition. They continue to do it. So um, 
I would say that they're probably the the most surprising, but uh, but the the DeLorean for me for the fourth line they've been so stellar to start the year. Numbers wise, your forward lines come in seventeen out of a possible twenty. In vehicles, you're rolling out three DeLoreans in a station wagon, which is actually pretty smart, Chapman. Think about this: what's the biggest fault or drawback of a DeLorean? Well, uh, they, I, I don't know. Space. Ah. So if you have three DeLoreans, <laughs> you complement it with a big old boat of a station wagon, <laughs> you could load everything up in the station wagon and roll with the DeLoreans. I, I guess that's that's the Darren spin, yeah. Thank you. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> to think of that on the fly, yeah, yeah, it is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we got a lot of it happening here. Uh, defensively. You've had 19 straight games with the same six. So we will go with with that group. Nick Hag signing uh, late in camp and missing that first game of the year. I think it's the best, deepest blue line in the National Hockey League. What grade are you giving that group? Yeah, it's it's a DeLorean for me on the defensive side of the puck. You've got Alec, uh, Alec Martinez blocking a ton of shots. You've got Shea Theodore, uh, to me, ha- playing really, really well. He's he's just he's so dynamic offensively. But then it's it's the the story so far this season to be to me has been Alex Petrangelo um, and, and you know the the point totals that he's putting up. Right, you got twenty points on the year for Alex Petrangelo. He's really, really feeling it. I, I, what is it? Four three point games already. That two in the last over three the course of uh, <laughs> over the course of uh, of twenty games. So I. I I don't know how you can go any other direction. You've got six defensemen, uh, as you mentioned, Darren, 19 straight. None of those defensemen are a minus on the season so far. And plus minus, it's not a perfect stat. But when your job is to defend, you're you're going to be judged uh, uh, on your plus minus. And right now, the Golden Knights defense, as a as a collection, as a group, is getting it done on both sides of the ice, not just defensively but offensively as well. The Petrangelo. Uh, not evolution because he's he's an all-star. He's a Stanley Cup champion, captain of a Stanley Cup yep. champion, so it's hard to say that there's been growth there. But the adjustment in his game to be more conservative in the neutral zone, and Bruce Cassidy said last week they've they've had to talk to him a couple of times because they've they've changed his game and adjusted where instinctually he wants to go. But in the offensive zone, he's still got the freedom to to be more fluid out there. And I think for a guy who's had to adjust his game, and that's a big ask. Megan Bozak said that. Like, asking a veteran player to do something like that is is a much bigger uh, situation than we would all, uh, at first blush, give it. So that, that part has been impressive. Do less, but get more. And that's what he's getting. He's not. He's not shooting as as much, or they don't want him shooting uh, all the time. They want him to be more of a distributor as well in the offensive zone. And uh, and he's still piling up points. Uh, and they expect the points to come, but more from an assist standpoint. His his instinct last night to chase that puck down, and not just him, Alec mm-hmm. Martinez in last night's game to be right on top of the net and shoveling it. To, in and William Carrier scoring. 
that that's a great example of the offensive side uh, of this blue line, which we're used to seeing, and it's really starting to pile up uh, some goals and accumulate some goals. But uh, from point total, it's it's one of the best. It's it's competing with Colorado uh, and the likes uh, for for point totals. I, I thought you were going to go Trans M. I really did with, with the blue really? line. So um, I'm I'm impressed, and you've made me a, a happy duck right now. Goaltending. Okay, so um, goaltending is going to be a Trans Am for me. Um, You didn't necessarily know exactly what you were going to get from the combination of Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Both guys, um, in Logan Thompson's case, you know what he had last season, but you didn't know how that was going to translate now as a full-time starting goaltender in the NHL. He's been good. He's been very good, 10-3 and three on the season. Um, it, you start to look, though, the last few games, I'd say the last eight games for the Golden Knights, the cause for concern for me is that six out of the last eight games, Vegas has given up four or more goals. The positive is that you've won six of those eight games, so it's not necessarily hurting you in terms of the standing, but you do have to find a way to cut back on those goals against. And especially when you kind of factor in your argument from earlier on Thatcher Demko, it's always the goalie. So the goalie's got to come up with some saves. That being said, on the whole, through 20 games, you can't really ask for much more from your goaltenders. Logan Thompson at 10-3, and Aiden Hill at 5-1-1. and They're making the majority of the saves that they're supposed to be making. They're not allowing bad goals, and therefore, right now, it's a Trans Am 4 out of 5. I think the goals against needs to come down a little bit more to consistently win over the next 20-game stretch. But if you're able to get there, then we can revisit it in game 40, and maybe it'll bump up to a, to a DeLorean. Now, do you just look in the numbers, or do you take into account some of the pucks that are going in and the plays that are, that are causing those pucks to go in? Oh, I mean, I, I looked at the plays that were causing the pucks okay. to go in last night against Thatcher Demko, and you you were looking at the numbers strictly. No, Generally no, no. I looked at I looked at the I, goals that went in on Thatcher Demko, and he's got to yeah, make those no, saves. They, they were terrible defensively, but yeah. that's fine. Um, no, I I look at everything when it comes to goalies. Again, I think that Logan Thompson and, and Aiden Hill are predominantly making the saves that they're supposed to be making. That being said, it's going to be harder and harder to win hockey games when you're allowing four goals consistently. It just is. So you're going to have to find ways to either be a little bit more structured and solid defensively in front of those two goaltenders, or you're going to need the goalies to kind of go over the top and make some spectacular saves. If they do that, then we're talking five out of five. The pressure combined with the uncertainty with these goaltenders at the start of the year. I, I would have gone, I'll accept the Trans Am, but I would have gone DeLorean because of where they were coming from. And you've got one guy at 10 and 3, and the other one uh, won his first five starts uh, as a member of the organization. And they they answered the bell early. Like it's been uh, a little weaker lately when it comes to locking it down and shutting that door. Uh, I thought the last two games, honestly, against Edmonton, 22 shots. Great team game uh, defensively uh, in the Arizona game along the, the same number uh, line. Last last night was what we saw towards the end of the road trip, and then that during that three game homestand, you, you got to be able to tighten that up. But but the given 
And I don't know whether we'll ever find out from the guys what they were feeling, what they were thinking uh, going into this season with, with Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. But in the back of your mind, you had to be feeling some pressure about what would happen if you aren't great right off the bat. Because I don't think, uh, well, depending on what you could do with a salary cap, like the, the, I don't think the leash would have been super long. Before you start, uh, whether it's uh, Michael Hutchinson or uh, Bersois, uh when he's back healthy, th- that that kind of thing, uh, where you start, or the media fans start looking at what can we do here? They've they've eliminated that conversation, which is impressive. The goals are a little bit higher lately, yes. But one thing that you have to admit, you don't have to, but I'm telling you that you should take this into consideration. The topic of what would this player do? Should we try player B? Should we explore player C? That conversation hasn't existed in all 20 games. Would you agree? Yeah. It That distraction, eliminating that part as both an individual athlete and then as a team, I think it's been huge. For them to be able to just go out and play their game and and get it done. Uh, We have one more, and that is special teams. The power play and the penalty kill. Yeah. um, So power play, special teams, penalty kill, uh, to me, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Like, this is a... Certainly the power play this season has been better than it was really at any point over the course of last year. Like, I would argue that this is probably, like, this 20-game stretch rivals any 20-game stretch that you can pull out of last season. So, um, Healthy personnel, personnel too, right? Healthy personnel? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. health and personnel. And, you know, I I think Bruce Cassidy, and, you know, he's he's mentioned it a couple of times, like, he loves the power play. He loves um, trying to, to figure out ways to come up with new schemes to make things work. So I trust that the power play is going to be a consistent threat for the Golden Knights over the course of the season. Now, it is tailed off of, of, of late or leveled off of late, but I, I do believe at some point it's going to start to connect and it's going to be impactful for the Golden Knights. But over the course of 20 games, you're looking at 18th in the league, and I think with the talent the Golden Knights have up front, and what percentage you probably is that? want... Uh, they're collect- they're clicking at about 20.7%. Yeah. Yeah. So 18th right now in the league on the power play, 12 goals on 58 attempts. So I feel like when you look at this Golden Knights team with the offensive talent that they have, you want to be top half. So you're about three points, or, you know, three places off of that going into the, the second quarter of the season. That's not bad. The The penalty kill, though, for me, is the area of of major emphasis or or the area that I think needs to improve the most for the Golden Knights, more so than, say, the power play. Um, Yeah, they've got four shorthanded goals. That's fantastic. But they're only killing at about 77%, and that's 20th right now in the league. I think for the Golden Knights to... To, to kind of be one of those teams that can utilize their special teams to their advantage, uh, the, the penalty kill numbers are going to have to improve and get better. They've been better of, re- of late over the last couple of games. I think the penalty kill has looked much better. Um, but right now I'm going three out of five on, on special teams for the Golden Knights. There's plenty of room to improve, and I think they will. But right now through 20 games, um, you know, 
Hammer. bottom bottom third in the league, we're going three out of five. If you were going to grade them individually, what would you give them? Um, I I would probably. That's tough. I, I yeah. would probably say that power play would would be a a four out of five. It would be a a, a Trans Am just because it scored again more consistently than it had at any point in time. It's improvement. It's it's a step in the right direction. And penalty kill would probably be a station wagon. Two out of five for me. Uh, the the penalty killing numbers are down across the league this year. Uh, power plays are scoring more goals. So that's that's just one fact in that, and and I don't get too caught up in rankings uh, this year to last year, uh, but it, there there is a, a difference with with both special teams right now. The 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 power play I think is just knocking on the door of being exceptional, and with new system uh, and new players, uh, uh, some different combinations, uh, I would, and Jack playing one side to the other, and that shifts in-game, too, whether he's on the left side or the right side, uh, depending on where the draw goes, and and they end up uh, setting setting up. I think it's, they had a couple of chances last night with the, with the, with the high tip that, uh, that were a lot closer than necessarily uh, ended up being the case uh, where you, it, the puck went into the corner, but it was just off, off the blade of a stick. Uh, I, I don't mind the penalty killing. I, I will trade off being more aggressive and maybe giving up one or two penalty killing goals uh, for the chance to score uh, a, a shorthanded goal. So I think the shorthanded goals do have to factor in in, in a weird hybrid percentage. Way so high seventies for a percentage is that does that really equate to eighty five percent when you factor in the the shorthanded goals? I don't know how you accurately do that, uh, but uh, but I think that the you got to take that into a little bit of consideration. What's your overall grade for the Golden Knights yeah. through twenty games? I mean, by and large, like there's not a lot to really look at, and and you know pick apart for a 15 four and one team i i would say top to bottom overall you're you're looking at a, a delorean it's it's five out of five like i don't think anyone expected this good of a start to the season i don't think anyone expected 15 wins out of the first 20 games and when you're that far above what the expectations are for you uh regardless of of you know the belief in the room and, and the talent on the roster i think you've got to go five out of five on that last year we were calling it the most talented team in Vegas Golden Knights history, before all the injuries, we we were lining up along that uh, way. Fifteen four and one would have been exceptional then. It's yeah. even better now with some changes uh, and and the new coaching staff coming in. It's been it's been awesome to watch, and I would just uh, I can't wait to to measure up quarter by quarter and see see how much they're uh, on this type of pace. Uh, Fifteen wins every twenty games. That's damn hard. Uh, to do, uh, but if you're if you're in double digits every twenty games, and with a couple of bonus points uh, thrown in there, you're, you're on a roll. First place in the Pacific, first place in the West, the Vegas Golden Knights. So we have a couple of pairs of tickets to give away for the Seattle Kraken game. What day is that? Friday. Friday. Seattle Kraken game on Friday. I like getting Chapman in every now and then because we're buddies now. So I, 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 I feed him more airtime. First pair of tickets goes to caller number 6, 
866-876-1340. Be caller number six. You're going to Friday's game against the Seattle Kraken. One more pair to come. We've got one-timers next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Let's start in our own backyard. The rivalry series. Just heard if you're listening to the live on the show, uh, Ashley Bay. So with the commercial about uh, Canada, U.S. So playing game four of that best of five set on December 15th. So looking forward to that. Uh, right now, the Americans are up three games to none in that, trying to run the table. We've got some great women's hockey in town this weekend uh, with some uh, college hockey. Boston University plays Yale on Friday at Lifeguard Arena at 1 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, Penn State against Megan Bozak's Minnesota. Oh, nice. Gophers, yep. Uh, and then they'll play the uh, championship game of this uh, little loop on Saturday. A 12 o'clock game for the two teams that are on the wrong side of the results on Friday. And then the two winning teams will play in the championship game. Uh, that's all coming up uh, this weekend. The Friday games are at Lifeguard Arena. The Saturday games are at the Dollar Loan Center. Division I NCAA Women's College Hockey. BU, Yale, Penn State, and Minnesota this weekend. Kind of cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's a, a great environment, both of those venues, and obviously Dollar Loan Center on Saturday. It's going to be rocking. So uh, more hockey in the Valley. It, it couldn't get any better than that. Go out, enjoy that, and then uh, get your tickets for the rivalry series that takes place on December 15th between Canada and the United States. Uh, oh, if, well, if Canada's got to win one of these games or else uh, Megan's not going to let up on Darren Elliott and I. Uh, there's a game underway right now in the National Hockey League. Buffalo leads Montreal 4-2. Buffalo trying to snap a big-time skid uh, against the Montreal Canadiens who are, uh, are off to a nice start. Actually, all things considered, it's been a nice opening quarter for the Canadian. Yeah, I, I think they're better than we anticipated they would be. At yeah. Least more competitive. I don't know that we were thinking of the Montreal Canadiens as a team kind of hovering around 500, but you know, 18 games into the year, that's what they are. They've got good offensive talent. We certainly saw that when the Golden Knights went to Montreal. No, no lead really felt safe there um it's it's going to come down to defense and goaltending as, as most of these things do with young teams that are kind of built the way that montreal is but uh, you like to see that that they're putting in um putting in the efforts consistently night in and night out to be hard to play against and, and that's all you can really ask for for a young team like that all the talk at the start of the season about ottawa loaded up on free agents much better buffalo yeah. ready to take that next step montreal right in the middle a youthful lineup, uh, more still in the rebuild. Uh, wasn't sure about next step. Uh, probably have to tread water for a bit. And then Detroit loaded up, uh, added added significant pieces. Well, Detroit's been the best of that group. Uh, they are four games over NHL 500. Montreal is one game over. And Buffalo's lost eight straight. Yeah. And Ottawa's in the basement of that uh, that division right now. And Buffalo does have a lead on Montreal tonight. So maybe, barring a third-period collapse, where have you seen that before? Up two in the third period and letting it go. Uh, Buffalo may be able to pull this one out. 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it'd be interesting for sure if uh, if Buffalo kind of finishes the job or if the Montreal Canadiens find a way to come back. The the funny thing with, with the standings, and I, I love kind of looking at this because we look at Detroit, right? They're right now uh, in that first wild card spot. They're 9-5-4, 22 points, a 6-11 points percentage, and we're like, oh, man, the Detroit Red Wings, they have come a long way. And then we kind of juxtapose that with the Montreal Canadiens who have essentially won and lost the same number of games, but Detroit has been able to get to overtime yeah. more than the Montreal Canadiens, and that is the big difference, really, that separates Huge. Detroit from where Montreal is. And it's big in the context of how the standings work out, but it gives you an idea of how good Montreal has been as, you know, getting to overtime a couple more times, they'd be keeping pace with where the Detroit Red Wings are and could be in a playoff spot. You don't have to tell people around here how big that uh, extra point is or once you get to a shootout, that bonus two-point, uh, second point uh, out of it. It uh, was a big part in why Vegas uh, ended up being on the outside looking in last year. Hey, on the, uh, on the Western side, St. Louis Blues are, are now above 500. At ten yeah. and eight, they yeah. they they have yet to have an OT point that other, so it's just straight ten and eight, which is amazing, considering they won their first three, lost their next eight, mm-hmm. and have now won their last seven. One of the biggest heartbeat monitor seasons, up and down and up and down, like it's. Ridiculous. I, I really do like their team a lot more uh, than what we saw during the losing streak. And uh, and credit Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube and that uh, Steve Ott, that coaching staff, for, for holding true with, with what they've done. But that's, that's pretty impressive to follow up an eight-game losing streak with a seven-game winning streak. Yeah, I you know you're you're gonna wonder I guess when that when that trade off is going to stop right like for the St Louis Blues are they going to win eight in a row are they going to win nine in a row like how long can this streak go on and then when they do eventually lose a game is it going to equal their <laughs> their their win streak like, yeah they they've been hot and cold up and down but you know I I think you're right now you're probably getting a, a, a clearer idea of who the St Louis Blues actually are and. Um, what a wild 18 games for that hockey club. My goodness. You know what they're going to call this season? How What's you that? title this season? Hmm. The season of the toilet seat. Up and down. <laughs> okay. Up and down. Good. Toronto Maple Leafs are without uh, their top three defensemen now. Morgan Riley left last night with a knee injury. He's mm-hmm. been immediately placed on long-term injury reserve. That's not yep. good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We joke around about no. them all the time. But, uh, but th- this is devastating to them. Yeah, I know it's not great. Um, you know, with, without Jake Muzzin already, um, it's, it's not good. It's, it, there's no real way to kind of be optimistic when it comes to what the, the defensive outlook is right now for the, uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that you, you probably find yourself in a position where if you're Kyle Dubas, you've got to go out and find a defenseman. You, 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 you can't, you can't, kind of keep things as they are for too long without those three defenders in in the lineup so um yeah i don't know they've I, managed I to pile up some next. uh some wins lately so that's been been good for them but i it, it leads you to the question do they have to trade some of their offensive value to try and shore up the blue line when you're down 
your your top three defensemen the way they are right now with high expectations again uh, for this team to finally win a playoff round. Uh, Jack Campbell, he's he's ready to play. Yep. Edmonton Oilers goalie, despite being hit uh, by a puck the other night and broke his nose. He, why, how does a goalie get a broken? Well, he wasn't playing. He was on the bench, oh, and the puck yeah. came in and hit him in, in in the face, and he suffered the broken nose. But he said he's he's still ready to go. Now, uh, Skinner wasn't uh, fabulous in that one the other night uh, against New Jersey, so I, I don't know whether they would start him. I, I mean, starting a guy with a broken nose if he's if he's got <laughs> that kind of thing happening a day after that is is kind of a big ask. But uh, I'll be curious what they do. If they're really unhappy with Skinner, you'll know because the guy with the broken nose is playing. And if they have, uh, it's, it might be just an opportunity to, to let Jack work on his game a little bit more. I'll tell you this, uh, getting plastered in the face, um, plastered in the face while you're on the bench, it probably ignites a, a little bit of fire under you to, to get into the, into the net with your gear on. So maybe this is what unlocks Jack Campbell for the Edmonton Oilers, and he's going to go on a heater. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Got to take a break, but uh, remind me tomorrow to tell you story time uh, with Darren Millard about getting hit in the face with a puck. All right? Okay. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we got two more tickets to give away to the Seattle Kraken game on Friday. Last pair for the week. Last pair for the week. Uh, although I'll try and come up with something for tomorrow. No promises, but I'll try. All right, because with the Access app, we can do it. Yeah, yeah, fingers Thanksgiving crossed. Thanksgiving week, uh, it's closed down around here, but uh, we'll see if we can come up with something. But we got two tickets for sure for the Kraken game on Friday. Uh, last time they were here, remember the the ice exploded, the octopus came up through the. That was scary. Hopefully they've they've plugged that hole. Don't let that. Uh, you know, in there. NHL.com retweeted my video of that. I heard that. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, it was all because it was you too. Seven zero two eight seven six. Eight eight seven six thirteen forty seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. Talk to my buddy Chris, and if you are caller number nineteen, you will go to the Seattle Kraken game on Friday. Back to wrap things up and catching up with Chapman after this. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for catching up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher! Hi, Darren. So, as you just heard in the sports update, NCAA Final Four coming to Las Vegas in 2028. And I, I'm i super excited about this for a variety of reasons. A, growing up as a kid, the Final Four was always one of my marquee, must-watch sporting events when I was when I was younger. Uh, still, I, I, I love the, the, the Final Four. I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple of NCAA tournaments, but I've never been to a Final Four. The idea of the NCAA hosting it in Las Vegas is amazing because... Ten years ago, none of this seemed like it would have been possible. And and I I mean not to what made it possible. I will say this: I will say Bill Foley bringing the Vegas Golden Knights and professional sports or professional major league sports to Las Vegas, opening up the city to other sports to come in, getting past the whole gambling. Yes, yeah, and and I think a lot of that doesn't happen without Bill Foley and and the you know his idea and his dream to bring a team to Vegas. So. You know, I, I think in, in large part, Bill Foley is, is the guy who really opened all of this up. And, and now we get a Final Four here. Formula One, I think, would have come regardless because I don't think they really care about the gambling. But I don't know. We, we are now a major league city, and a lot of that's due to Bill Foley. So super, super cool. Somebody had to turn on the tap, right? Yeah, and it was it was Bill. 
I'll pass that along to him. Yeah. When, well, when you see him, why don't you say that? You know, I never see him. I never see Bill Foley. Only in like once in a while press conferences. I got to butter him up. I still want the Bournemouth. I want to. I want to gig with Bournemouth. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to butter him up a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm still worried about my brownies at work. Oh yeah. Nothing. How that, how that could? Really, India? Nothing. I know. Oh boy. Say oh, that boy. again. Yeah, really, India. You don't bring the poor guy some brownies. Exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> good, good job, India. Well done. I come on. I you know what's going to be great when she brings brownies tomorrow and she offers it to the media and you're stuck watching. Right. <laughs> Are you going to the skate tomorrow morning? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mention how upset I am. I don't know who she is. You do so. No, you'll have you to point do. her out. Oh my goodness! You've met her like eight times. No, I have never met her. You have to she point wasn't her crazy out. the way you named the podcast, though. Oh, good. <laughs> She's an awesome kid. Looking forward to it. Uh, Skate tomorrow, game tomorrow night. Looking forward to Ottawa and Vegas on Fox Sports Las Vegas.